I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 258 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that is coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have an awesome guest for you on this Warrior Wednesday edition of the podcast. Nicholas Irving is a former special operations sniper. He is the New York Times bestselling author of The Reaper. He holds an impressive record for the most kills on a single deployment. It is an absolute honor to have him here with me today. Nick Irving will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And if you missed out on any of the action from earlier this week, Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street, was here on Monday in episode 256. And yesterday, we had world-renowned nutritionist Rob Wolf, who was here for episode 257. If you missed out, please take a minute to flip it back and take a listen. And I can't begin to tell you how awesome it is for me to speak to so many of our nation's heroes, such as Nick Irving. It's been an absolute humbling experience for me to have the opportunity to kick it about fatherhood with some of these incredible veterans. When I think about my kids growing up later in life and having kids of their own, they're going to have such a treasure trove of content to listen to when they hear their dad talking about fatherhood, not only to famous people like Tony Hawk and Deion Sanders, but they're going to get a chance to hear me speak to men who have been a part of history, guys who have sacrificed so much for our freedom, and that is very special to me. Next week, that continues. I'll be joined on Warrior Wednesday by a dad who sacrificed his sight, his hearing, and so much more when an IED exploded in his face. Expert EOD technician Aaron Hale will be here with me next week. I'll get into his story much more when I have him here on the podcast, uh, but it is a very inspiring story, so lock it in for that. And Friday, talk about an inspiring story. Navy SEAL legend and Medal of Honor recipient Michael Thornton will be here, and if you are unfamiliar with his story, you have got to read a book called By Honor Bound. More on that coming Friday. And since we're talking about veterans here, you guys have got to check out the American-made, veteran-owned American flags made by combat flags. They use duty-worn fatigues from veterans from all branches of the military and turn them into American flags. They are very unique, and they're going to stand out in front of your house. And First Class Fatherhood listeners can save 10% by visiting CombatFlags.com and using the promo code FATHER. And a percentage of every sale is donated directly to Stop Soldier Suicide, to which they have donated over $55,000 to already. So go and check them out, CombatFlags.com, and use that promo code FATHER. And I can't say thank you enough to all of you dads out there that continue to listen to each and every episode here. Your support is greatly appreciated. And please, if you get a chance, spread the word about the show here. Let every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list know about the show that celebrates fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule. And every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with the Reaper, Nick Irving. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Nothing beats an American flag made in the USA, right? Well, how about an American flag made in the USA by veterans out of duty-worn fatigues from all branches of the military? That is exactly what you get with combat flags. Combat flags are handcrafted from duty-worn fatigues and offer a tangible piece of freedom to the American people. Each flag is accompanied by a professionally designed and printed card that tells the story of service of a soldier, marine, airman, sailor, or coastie who wore the fatigues used to make the flag. They are the real deal, Dad, so what are you waiting for? Visit CombatFlags.com and use the promo code FATHER, and First Class Fatherhood listeners will save 10% off their purchase. Veteran-owned, American-made. CombatFlags.com, promo code FATHER. 
All right, and joining me now is a first-class father. He is a combat veteran who served with the Elite Army Special Operations, 3rd Ranger Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment. He is the New York Times bestselling author of both The Reaper and The Way of the Reaper. It is a tremendous honor for me to say Nick Irving. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. All right, let's start here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I have one, one so far, and he is uh, three, or turning three this November. Wow, okay, awesome. Uh, did you guys find out what, what you were having with him, or did you wait till the end? Oh, I wanted to find out pretty much as soon as, you know, the doctor would let us let us know. Um, it was one of those things that, you know, I, I always wanted a girl, but for some reason, it was like the, the, the curse of the ranger or something like that, where all the guys were, you know, having daughters and stuff like that, so I had my mind set on the name of, a you know, a girl and how I was going to raise her and, you know, keep her single until she's at least 50 and all that, but went to the doctor's office, and uh, we found out we were having a boy. Yeah, it's kind of funny, too, because I have a lot of Navy SEALs on the show, and, and so many of them have, uh, they call it the frogman curse there. They have, like, a, some of them have three, four daughters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, I have no idea why that is. Maybe too much testosterone. I have no idea, but it's the uh, <laughs> same with our, same with our, our unit, too. Uh, are you guys going for any more, or are you one and done? Oh, man. Um... I'll give it one more year to make my final decision. Right now, I'm going to say um, I'm going to hold off a little bit. It's just it's an experience, you know. It's an experience. All right. Yeah, Nick, if you could just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Yeah, I'm a former special operations sniper, uh, six deployments, three to Iraq and three to Afghanistan. Um, did some private military contracting after I got out. Uh, then... A few years after that, I became a New York Times bestselling author uh, with my autobiography uh, titled The Reaper, where I set a record for uh, the most kills in combat during a single deployment in Afghanistan for my unit. Yeah, that's incredible, Nick. And you've had so many, you know, awesome experiences and wild experiences. How did the experience of becoming a father kind of change your perspective on life? Oh, the perspective. That's what I'm all about. And I think that that changed my perspective on, you know, the entire outlook on life you know how i perceive life and uh what life is all about the the future and and time too i never really had a i don't think we you know any of us have a complete understanding of time but i think you know having a child definitely definitely puts that that time perspective into a a way that you can kind of look at things different and and notice how how irrelevant time is and how precious it is and how fast it can go by yeah, well said. Yeah, it definitely marks the time. I have four children myself. My oldest is 13, and it's one of those things where you can't help but notice how much time has passed when you're looking at your kids. Oh, yeah, it's unreal. I have this uh, little collage picture of, uh, you know, from 1 to 12, uh, 12 months old. He was born on my birthday, and uh, it, it's always a, a weird thing. I don't celebrate my birthday anymore. It's all about him, but I was going through these pictures, and, you know, I don't remember the time of the almost three years now, how fast it went by, and it feels like, I don't know, maybe I haven't, it, I don't know if it's always going to feel like I haven't done enough or there's way much, you know, way more that I want to, you know, teach them and explore with them and, and you know, just pretty much just share all my life lessons that I've learned and mold them into something that I am not, couldn't be, or are yet to discover. Yeah, yeah, right on there. And your book, The Reaper, obviously you said, very successful New York Times bestseller. And then you transitioned into writing some fiction. What was that like for you to transition from writing the autobiography and then into writing some fiction? Is that something that you've always wanted to do? Oh, yeah, it's always, uh, you know, been, uh, I guess, uh, a thing of mine uh, since the, I want to say the seventh grade, uh, wrote my first little book. Um, and, and, you know, it was supposed to be a scary novel, but 
it turned out being just a uh, a little hobby um and how it originally started and kept journals throughout the military and those journals kind of transitioned over to uh, the whole book world but i think the imagination um i've always my dad kind of raised me to be that way is you know huge imagination i remember making a a time machine he brought home some plywood and stuff like that and in the backyard making time machines and i would write down all these little theories that well, i called them theories and stuff like that so writing has always been you know one of my uh i guess you know hobbies and exploring the the mind I, i've never you know gotten out of that stage of wanting to explore more and create yeah that's so cool because it seems like imagination is so underrated today with all the technology that we have it kind of takes away your chance to imagine oh yeah um, and, and how about as far as uh, do you like to read uh, books to your son there? What does your bedtime routine look like? Oh, the bedtime right now, it's pretty much a bunch of high fives and hugs and kisses. Uh, during the daytime, we do a lot of reading and stuff like that. Um, I keep him away from, you know, of course, the military stuff, but it's just Dr. Seuss, uh, the Bernstein Bears, uh, stuff that I used to read growing up, and we have a little uh, Teddy Rupskin um, that reads to him and stuff like that. I've had that as a kid, one of the original ones, and, uh, yeah, that's you know, that's old school there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, not too many kids know about that. But it's, you know, Bernstein Bears, uh, Dr. Seuss, uh, Polar Express, um, you know, uh, what is that other book that he loves? He loves the this book with these little cat boy and this owl girl or something. Uh, PJ Mask. Yeah, PJ Mask. Yeah, yeah. That's my thing, yeah. Yeah. Is that something, would you ever consider coming out with a uh, a children's book or something like that? Uh, that's a part of my, I guess, creativity. I don't think that I could, I haven't really, you know, explored or anything like, um, you know, to that, to that extent. Um, I don't know. Uh, it would be maybe some years down the line how I would maybe translate, uh, I think valuable life lessons that, you know, that I've learned and things that, you know, I wish I could go back to my old self and tell them, you know, you know, keep dreaming, dream bigger or, no, anything's possible. I mean, we, we hear that a lot growing up, and I've heard it a lot and stuff like that. I used to want to be an astronaut, but I guess the way my, my grades were set up in school, it wasn't, you know, set out to be that way. But where I'm at in life right now, I, you know, in my opinion, I think I should have died in Afghanistan. Uh, there was a time when I came close to it, and I accepted it. Uh, guys did die, and I, you know, kind of uh, uh, that survival survivor's guilt, I guess you want to call it. But there's, there's things that that... that you know, the dots that lined up in my life, I don't think that, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for them. I'm, I'm grateful that I'm in this position that I'm in. But, you know, it's something that if you would have told me 20 years ago, I would, you know, not believe it at all. So I think that just to keep the open mind and keep it exploring and, and you know, just keep being you, I think that's one of the big important lessons I think I could, you know, I would want to go back and, and tell kids or tell my younger self and, you know, I tell to my, you know, my son to this day, whether yeah. he understands or not, you know. Yeah, that's awesome, Nick, and, and thank you for your service, and I'm grateful for you and, and for your brothers and sisters that have given so much for all of us here. So, um, I appreciate I it. Thank for, you. Yeah, I don't want to forget to mention that. And what, Around what age would you uh, feel comfortable with your son uh, reading The Reaper? What do you think? Like, uh, How old would he have to be before you'd let him read it? <laughs> uh, I'd say in his teens, uh, teenage years, 13, 14. Uh, that's about the time when I started reading, uh, going to the library, reading the old Vietnam books of, you know, special op guys in, in Vietnam. So around that age, but, uh, yeah, maybe 15. 15 would be a good age. Okay, yeah, I'm a, I'm a ferocious reader myself, Nick. I, I read a book a week, and I've got my kids reading, mm -hmm. and it's it's a big part of our life here, too, as well, so that's good to hear. 
Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Same here. Now, now, did uh, being a sniper did that prepare you for the patience that it takes to be a dad here? Negative. It's an entire different world when it comes to patience. Um, you know, bringing him home to he had like a little uh, what they call a PVC when he was born, uh, pulmonary uh, something. It's something with his heart where the valves would you know skip a beat and and pause for a little bit. You know, he grew out of it, but during that time, it was a uh, extremely stressful, more stress than I've ever felt on any deployment, any gunfight. And the waking up every two hours really, you know, put me in for a shock. I was not prepared for that. And I thought it was going to be, you know, I heard the stories of how it was, but to me, he was quiet in the hospital. But when we brought him home, it was, it was every two hours you had to wake up, feed him and do that. So I think that's more, that's the most zombie I've ever felt, you know, in my life. I've been awake for almost five days straight, but having a child for those few months was, it was a different experience. I miss yeah. it though. I miss, I miss certain parts of it. Yeah, there's something about that. No matter how much you prepare yourself for what, once you're in the hospital and they kind of have the little area for the baby, he comes back and forth. But then that last day when they hand it to you and they say, here you go, it's a whole different feeling. Oh yeah. That was a shock. I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I almost wanted them to give me like a pamphlet or a book or something like that. It was, you know, here's your child. And we had the car seat, got in the car, and we drove home. And it was just, it didn't feel, it didn't feel real having another human being in the house, and you know, not knowing how to talk to him, and he couldn't talk back. It was just figuring things out as you went along. So that was, that was the scariest time of my life, and I think the most stressful, but a good stress. I think I needed that stress, you know, in my life. I think I definitely yeah. needed that little bit yeah, more I think, structure. I think we all do, Nick. To be honest with you. And- All right, Dad, the NFL season is now upon us, and the Major League Baseball season is winding down. There is no better time to take your kids to the ball game, and First Class Fatherhood listeners can save $20 off their tickets on SeatGeek.com by using my promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS. Maybe you want to see a concert or a Broadway show. Save 20 bucks on the tickets on SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code FIRSTCLASS. It's a slam-dunk deal, Dads. SeatGeek.com, promo code FIRSTCLASS. Fatherhood is the best seat in the house. What about as far as uh, disciplining him now? I know he's only three, almost three here. Are you a spanker, a timeout guy? How do you kind of handle that? I'm a timeout guy. Uh, I grew up with the spankings and, you know, all that stuff. I think that for right now, um, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Like having, I've had dreams about having, you know, a daughter and, and, you know, kids and stuff like that. But actually having him here, it's, I want to preserve that, that, special i guess that spark in him um but it's definitely times when you know he, he has to go to a, a harsh timeout or take toys away every day is a is a snack day um breakfast lunch and dinner he wants a snack and telling him no and feeding him food is it's like i don't know uh interrogating you know bad guys overseas it's a lot of screaming <laughs> a lot of fighting and it's just the reasoning portion of it but it's weird how how they all develop and you know watching him you know develop and process different things and how he goes about getting his way. But yeah, I'm, a, I'm definitely a, a timeout guy for right now. For right now, when he hits the age of you know driving and talking back, maybe you know maybe dad has to step in and and pop him on the butt a few times. But <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, thing for right now, timeout. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, and, and talk about taking charge there. I mean, I've seen uh, that post on Instagram where someone tried to rob you, and it's amazing to think that you've oh, been yeah. overseas and all kind of gun battles and stuff, and then you're home here in the U.S. where you feel like you're safe, and then something like that happens. Mm -hmm. Were you by yourself yeah. at the time? Was your family with you? How would that go down? My family was inside. Uh, I started off, I was sleeping. I was playing the guitar in the garage. I came inside to take a nap while he was taking a nap, my son, and I heard the, the chime on our alarm system go off, and that's when... You know, uh, my wife, she yells downstairs, hey, there's somebody, you know, coming at the front door. So I go outside, and the guy walks back out down the street. He makes this little, like, he's stalking the place. And th this wasn't the first time I found out later that he had been stalking and scoping out the place. He had, you know, uh, peeked inside of our windows. during uh, We were sleeping one night, but called him this day. Um, he didn't see me behind this pillar of my house, and as he's coming up to the door, he had already looked in the window, is when I finally got him. And... That's how that whole thing went down. But it was one of those things that, you know, my family's home and, you know, this guy is, you know, got a knife or whatever. And I just didn't, eh, not with my son in the house. I think that's when I, uh, that line, once that line is crossed, is it, it's, you know, it could have been way different. I, I give it that. It could have gone down way different. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely one of those things, Nick. You know, I know you guys come from the special operations world, but just as a regular civilian father, it's one of those things. Just walking down the street with our families, it's kind of like mm -hmm. you, you never know if you're doing enough to try to observe and take care mm -hmm. to make sure that you're keeping your family safe. You know? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Driving, I've you know I've driven the streets of, of Baghdad and stuff like that, but but here stateside, yeah, you're right. It always feels like maybe you're not doing enough or are you doing enough and you know to protect your family and i think that uh that's what keeps us dads on our p's and q's and you know if the time comes you know god forbid we're prepared and and able to to, to stop whatever you know threat needs to be stopped but yeah, I would, you know, go back to the old Mr. T days, and, you know, I just pity the fool that would try it, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and talking about keeping our kids safe, I know we have a rise in, uh, you know, mass shootings and school shootings, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. How do you mm -hmm. feel about uh, putting, you know, veterans in our kids' school systems to keep them safe? I honestly wouldn't, remind, uh, wouldn't mind it at all. I think that it would, you know, definitely, definitely uh, employ a lot of guys who have a hard time, you know, finding a job outside in the outside workforce that, are you know some of their skill sets may not be applicable as far as shooting or preventing certain things from happening or you know to that caliber i think that it would be a a, a good choice you know to definitely have it would be a better choice than having you know i guess all the teachers armed that may not have the qualifications or, or certain skill sets but um guys who have been in shootouts they they process things different and i think that once you've been in a few of them, uh, compared to someone who hasn't been in a gunfight at all, the uh, reaction is different. The precision when it needs to be precise could be there. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it. No, I wouldn't mind it. Yeah, I would love to see that too, just because I think, just like you said there, arming the teachers, I think is a bad idea, especially like even on the planes, like we don't arm the pilot, we put on yeah. the guy that's trained, you know? Exactly. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and I see that you always post there about the guitar. Is that something you were always into as a kid, or is that something you picked up recently? Uh, no, I grew up playing. Well, my mom had me playing the violin and piano. Um, I scratched the violin. That just was, I guess I wasn't getting enough girlfriends with the violin. So I went over to the piano, and uh, she had me playing in the church for a while. Uh, so those were always my, my go-to instruments. I didn't pick up the guitar until I was around contracting. I bought a guitar a fender and i practiced playing it but i had no idea what i was doing i uh, watched this Jimi hendrix documentary 
And it was one of those things that kind of inspired me, learning how, uh, you know, he learned how to play. He was not, he was taught or anything. He was kind of self-taught listening to the radio, and I thought I was going to take that route. And uh, just picking up a new skill is, is, is hard when you're older, I guess. And it was one of those things that uh, kind of put the guitar down for a little bit and picked it up a few years later and, you know, actually sat down and, and gave it a crack. Yeah, very cool. Um, all right, what type of uh, – what do you got coming up next here, Nick? What's next for you? What kind of goals or plans do you have here for the future? I have a pretty cool – some speeches lined up, um, one here in Vegas uh, next week at uh, a stock market convention, um, and filming a TV show with uh, Discovery Channel. And in the hopes of – we're in talks right now with the uh, production company to adopt the uh, books for a motion picture. The, the fiction books or the autobiography? The autobiography. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, That'd be right, weird well, to see. Oh, yeah. That'd be weird to see. I don't know if I would watch all of it, certain parts. Uh, I don't know. Do you have anybody in mind that you'd like to play you in the in the film? Anybody but Tom Cruise. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, it would have to be just someone who could portray, you know, um, I guess who I am deep down inside not necessarily you know that this gung-ho you know crazed guy who just loves to you know shoot guys it wasn't you know anything like that i was you know scared 99.9 percent of the time so it would have to i guess get that uh be able to portray how i really was and, and being scared and able to perform and rely on guys around you and just overcoming different things uh, different circumstances and you know how guys uh how they're molded you know in combat and, and how they adjust to the civilian world. And I think that, you know, if it wasn't for my son, I don't know if I would still be, things would be a lot different. Things would be a lot different. I was on a, a dark path for a little bit. Yeah, and, and that's why I think it's so important that your story and all these other ones that we're starting to see, I know they make a lot of different Navy SEAL movies and shows now, but I think it's important for us to see. I mean, we we get overwhelmed with all these Marvel characters and superhero films, but I think we need these more, you know, down to life, um, down to earth, realistic stories like yourself, oh, yeah. and uh, and it can help so many people out there. It's a benefit to all of our society, as far as I'm concerned. Oh yeah, any, any story you can always learn something from it. What to do, what not to do. There's always something something to learn from somebody's story. Definitely. Yeah, well said. All right, last thing I'm going to hit you with here, Nick. I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast here. What type of advice could you give to that new dad or to that about to be father who's out there listening? Be a part of your child's life and. Never take any minute, any second for granted. They go by extremely fast, and just yeah, absorb every minute you can. You know, even when you're stressed out, you get irritated or anything like that. Just take a step back and you know realize that little that little thing you can mold, you can you know into what you want to be, what you never could have been. Um, just take every second, every moment, you know, for what it is, and it's a precious, precious moment, man. Precious moment. Yeah, well said. I love the message. This has been an honor for me. i got to say, Nick Irving, you're a first-class father, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on first-class fatherhood. Well, thank you so much for having me. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Nick Irving for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was an incredible honor. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Lock it in. Tomorrow we go back to the gridiron here. One of the greatest NFL players of all time, the hardest hitting player of all time, no doubt. The very great 
Hall of Famer Ronnie Lott joins me here for tomorrow's podcast. Friday for Frogman Friday, we have the legendary Navy SEAL Michael Thornton, Medal of Honor recipient. So lock it in. Still a lot of great action coming your way. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. Please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.